What's good, New York? This is Jack Devine, and you're listening to Revolutions Per Minute, live on WBAI. We're a socialist radio show and podcast for members of the New York City Democratic Socialists of America. DSA is the largest socialist organization in the United States, with 95,000 members nationwide, and NYC DSA is its biggest chapter. We are run by our 9,000-plus members and organizers who are working together to build democratic socialism in all five boroughs. United Auto Workers emerged as a powerful force during the 1930s. Sit-down strikers challenged the capitalists of the big three car companies. Their willingness to take militant action unleashed a wave of unionization in the industry that could not be contained and spread to other sections of the working class. The UAW formed the bedrock of the Congress of Industrial Organizations, which shifted the balance of power between capital and labor. A decade later, leadership negotiated the Treaty of Detroit, an agreement that established wage increases, pensions, and health insurance. It became the foundation of labor relations in the United States. Union fought for more than bread and butter, as it developed into a key backer of the civil rights movement. But various factors began to undermine the power of the UAW. Many of its most effective organizers were purged amidst the Red Scare. The Midwest experienced deindustrialization as factories were moved down south or out of the country, and the administrative caucus led, uh, led throughout this process and became increasingly corrupt. But a workers' movement for democracy in the Union sprouted forth and demanded competitive elections. After securing one member, one vote, and a referendum, Unite All Workers for Democracy successfully elected new leadership. What does this mean for the UAW and the broader a movement for working class empowerment? UAW member Chris joins us to discuss this and much more. But first, the headlines. Hello, listeners. This is Caroline with your headlines for today, Tuesday. May 2nd. In state budget news, Governor Kathy Hochul and the Democratic leaders of the New York State Legislature came to a budget agreement nearly a month later than its original deadline. It will likely face a vote early this week and is expected to pass. Included in the budget agreement are further rollbacks to the state's bail reforms, which would eliminate the least restrictive standard adopted in 2019. This marks the third time in the four years since the reforms were first passed that state lawmakers have tried to undo them. Governor Hochul has specifically cited right-wing media campaigns against the bail reforms as her motive for rolling them back, angering many supporters of the original reforms. Proposed changes to the discovery process advocated by New York City district attorneys who claim recent reforms have created too much work for them were ultimately left out of the budget agreement. 
The budget deal includes plans to reopen 14 zombie charter schools in New York City. The Metropolitan Transit Authority will get funding for a pilot program for free buses, as well as a lower fare increase than had been previously proposed. New York's downstate minimum wage, which covers the city as well as Long Island and Westchester, will increase to $17 per hour over the next three years. While no major housing reforms were included in the budget, more funding was approved for New York State Housing Authority and Section 8 tenants who had applied for but not been granted pandemic-era rent relief. One area still apparently being negotiated is what version of the Build Public Renewables plan will be included. Governor Kathy Hochul and Assembly Speaker Carl Hiesti have attempted to weaken the bill, but it looks like most of it will be included in the budget meaning New Yorkers will have won one of the most transformational climate and jobs bills in the country. In other news, Mayor Eric Adams released a revised city budget that still includes substantial cuts to city agencies, while removing some high-profile cuts like a proposal that would have forced library closures. These proposed cuts come the same month that Adams reached a deal for retroactive pay raises for the New York Police Department. The Rent Guidelines Board heard from both tenants and landlords as they prepared to vote this week on a proposed 8.5% rent hike for millions of rent-stabilized tenants. A relatively unknown political consultant working remotely from small-town Colorado wields significant influence within Governor Hochul's administration and has been blamed for some of Hochul's miscalculations since she took office. State lawmakers have proposed a law that would allow State Attorney General Tish James to crack down on deed theft. Workers at the flagship Barnes & Noble store in Union Square are unionizing. The MTA is shutting down Twitter accounts that provide real-time service information after Elon Musk demanded they pay. City and State wrote an extensive profile about Assemblymember Zohan Mamdani. For Revolutions Per Minute, this is Caroline Van Zeitz. Now back to the studio for today's show. Our headlines are brought to you by The Thorn, an incredible weekly newsletter by NYC DSA Electoral Working Group, covering local politics and radical activism. Subscribe at thethornnyc.substack.com. So we're here and joined uh, by Chris, a UAW member and rank and file organizer. Thank you so much for joining us again, Chris. Yeah, thank you for having me, Jack. Appreciate it. So we've had you uh, on the show before. So we kind of, our audience, at least who listened to that episode, has already heard about uh, your background. So I just want to give our audience a little bit of an update. What have you been up to since you were last on RPM? Oh, uh, yeah, it's been like uh, one thing after the other since then. Uh, uh, we, uh, When I was on last, we uh, had won the referendum vote. So this was a, a vote where we could cast uh, ballots for the, uh, the international leadership of the union. Uh, before we had a convention system. Uh, so when we won the referendum, uh, we had to prepare for the convention and uh, the where the uh, nominees were uh, made and uh, nominations were made. And then we uh, went straight into uh, the, the electoral season, which uh, ended up going through, or election season, which ended up going through like two rounds because uh, two of our uh, candidates went into runoffs. So um, that went on from between, uh, I want to say, October through March, and then uh, right into a bargaining convention that we had uh, literally 24 hours after our uh, newly elected president uh, uh, was sworn in. 
So the, the organizing never stops uh, when you're fighting for democracy in the union, in the workplace. Uh, so it's, it's great to see that you've been uh, continuing that fight. And I just want to remind our listeners that you're tuning in to Revolutions Per Minute on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York City, broadcasting at 99.5 FM and streaming on your favorite podcast app. Today we are talking about uh, the uh, Unite All Workers for Democracy, the recent win in the UAW elections and how that can transform uh, this uh, all-critical union uh, to the labor movement. So you just, we're just hitting on this a little bit, but let's uh, dive a little bit deeper. How did Unite All Workers for Democracy win the recent elections? Uh, we, uh, I don't really know what I did on my on my end, to be perfectly honest with you. But um, well, I do know that we were we were to, we worked together to uh, you know find and um, put together a slate. It was very important that we had. A uh, good, solid amount of candidates uh, that you know believed in you know what we believed in, which was you know that we needed to uh, work from the bottom up, not the top down, for the union. And uh, we got an incredible slate of candidates. And uh, once those nominations uh, occurred uh, during the uh, Constitution Convention last year in the summer, um, we started to campaign. And uh, much like the referendum, the referendum uh, vote was not really well. Uh, advertised or publicized through, you know, union channels. So we had to, you know, do our best to get the word out about the election and, and our candidates and, and what they were going for. So we, you know, we took to social media, of course, but also, um, we took to the, 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 the shop floors. Like, uh, when we had, uh, went for the referendum, we, we got a lot of people to, uh, sign a pledge saying that they were going to vote yes for the referendum. A lot of people didn't understand what we were doing, but it was, you know, it was our organizing document, you know, see who, you know, wanted to uh, win that uh, one member, one vote, and then, you know, go from there, you know, see what, what they were, you know, down to do. And uh, we ended up calling a lot of those people back. Uh, some of the, the, the people who had leafleted quite a bit in their, uh, their plants uh, brought in more people to help out that sort of thing. So we started reaching out and, you know, it was a bit different because you no, know, not everyone who wanted one member, one vote uh, was uh, behind our candidates completely, but uh, a lot of people did. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of grew stronger as we went on, I think uh, because we had a slate um, and we had people that were, you know, had been through, um, you know, tough times. They, they had, um, you know, been through their battles, battles of their own, uh, and, you know, had the right mindset and they were, you know, as working as one, you know, they, they, they were one team, um, our, our slate, uh, UAW members united. I think that that resonated with a lot of people. They, um, people were upset after, um, the UAW, uh, corruption scandal a few years back. And, you know, it's been like that for a few decades, actually, like, you know, people, have been upset with how uh, our union works and operates. And I think that this was uh, one of the first times that the, uh, the membership had really, you know, any voice outside of a convention and conventions, the way those used to work, uh, there used to be noisemakers playing while people were talking. Uh, you know, if you, if, if they didn't like what you were saying, uh, and it, and it was very top down controlled. So I think that, because we put out something that really resonated with people because people were so upset with just basically everything that, that has happened over the past few decades and, and, and certainly the last few years. 
uh, people were ready for a change, and, and uh, I'm glad that they voted for uh, literally our whole slate. We had seven people running for uh, seven different positions out of 14. Uh, one of uh, another individual was running as a uh, uh, independent, um, although we, we, we were fans. So uh, it really worked out incredibly amazingly. Uh, the first round, we got uh, six in already, including that independent. And then we had a runoff uh, starting in January and ended in March. Uh, so, yeah, that was uh, – and, and that was very, very, very close to the presidency. It was uh, within 500 votes or so at the last time I checked the, the results. So it was a nail-biter. <laughs> So you're, you're hitting on a few really, uh, crucial aspects of what is, what happened overall. This kind of long-term trend that you're describing in the union where there was a growing animosity, uh, towards leadership, feeling like they're not securing the sort of deals that benefit all the workers, maybe broader failures and to not organize other regions of the country, like the South where unionization and the auto industry is much lower. And also this, this corruption that had happened with leadership. So while I, the members still believed and, and correctly that it was better to have, uh, a union at all than, and even if it was corrupt, that it ultimately that something needed to change, but there was structures that were in the way of making that change difficult that there, there was this delegate process, this convention process, but there wasn't a fully democratic process to elect new leadership. And so you were involved in this long-term effort and campaign to, to push for this referendum uh, for one member, uh, one vote that can, could possibly lead to change in leadership in the union. And you were successful for that. And then you built on the momentum uh, that the organizing strategies that you would utilize and, and putting together lists, connecting with people on the shop floor, uh, directly talking with them uh, about uh their problems, how the union could be improved, how they could have a, a more fighting, more militant union, that mo- a union that's more willing to stand up uh, to the auto companies uh, and a challenge uh, for a redistribution of profits, a kind of a, a, a more aggressive approach. And so there have been uh, like a few uh, incidents of, of class struggle over the past few years that the UIW has been involved in, and both uh, at uh, the car companies and also in the academic sector. So uh, do you think the 2019 strike at General Motors or the 2012, uh, 2022 strike at University of California had a role in building the sort of rank and file organization necessary to reform the union? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I can at least definitely speak to the, uh, the general voters strike. Uh, that was, I was involved in that and, uh, I, I, I was very unhappy with the results. Uh, you know, we were out on the street for, uh, 40 days, but six weeks or so. And, uh, it was rough. Like, um, I remember getting to the, the picket line and, uh, you know, there weren't quite so many people as I, I'd expected. I'd seen like a lot of pictures. I was on, I was on vacation for the very beginning of the strike, uh, but uh, you know I see all these signs that say uh, "Everyone Tier One," and I'm like, "All right, we're going to do this. We're finally going to turn things around." Like when I was hired in 2007, uh, that's when tiers really like hit the auto industry, and and I think it hit a lot of other unions almost immediately after in the aftermath. Like. Uh, 
And for tears for anyone listening, uh, if you do, if you're not familiar with them, you know, I got hired on October fifteenth, two thousand seven. If you were hired the day after me, you got paid less money. Your raises were uh, smaller, and you topped out lower than I did. And that was just the difference of a day. And also, you have different uh, benefits and all that. And I didn't really know too many people that uh, you know were were in this second tier. Um, but this tier didn't go away. Uh, it just kind of slightly morphed and changed. And I'm working side by side with, I was working side by side with people, you know, making less money than me. And, you know, that's always in the back of my mind, like when I'm, you know, interacting with people, like, do they, do they hate me? Do they think I'm a jerk? Like, like it, it can't be good for solidarity. And I've never thought that. And I was like, when I went on, when I'd been hired in 2007, we you know, went on strike for like a day. And, that strike told told me that like strikes are kind of dumb at that time in 2007, and uh, I was happy to see that we might be turning that around and, and correcting that. So in 2019, um, I was I was hopeful that that would happen. Uh, unfortunately, you know it does ha- it did happen sort of in the in the uh, in in the the shop itself, but there are still tears within. Uh, the auto companies, uh, when you look at like material movement, when you look at a lot of the electric vehicle production, uh, these are people that are getting hired in for less than I got hired in in 2006. Well, that's when I started as a summer help. <laughs> they, they're, they're getting hired then, and I'm not ingesting for inflation. Like, and they're still topping out less. They're, they're, they got profit sharing, and it was a quarter of what I got. Um, and I, I really wanted us to keep fighting and I really wanted us to like, we had no, it felt like we had no real um, plan. And that could have been partially because like our president was getting his, uh, his uh, house uh, invaded by the, uh, the feds at the time. Uh, I, I was just, I was, I was mad and I didn't know anything about unions at that time, to be honest with you. I knew I was in one for about, uh, 12 years, 13 years. And I know that probably sounds terrible, but like I had to learn, I had to learn really quickly. And I started reading union books, uh, yeah, Jay McAlevey's No Shortcuts. That was a big one. Uh, Hegemony How To, uh, and a few others, Labor Notes books for sure. And I started, I was a DSA member at the time, but I was, I was a paper member. Uh, I had found out in that moment, uh, a little later actually that the signs that I saw the everyone tier one were actually DSA provided because there were not nearly enough signs and signs that actually tell people that are, you know, driving by or seeing the, the pictures on the internet, like uh, a news news broadcast. Hey, that's, that's their point. That's their problem is tears. What are tears? You know, get the conversation going, figure out what people are on strike for, not just, you know, UAW on strike. Those are the ones that are provided or ones that have my local 22 on there. Um, so yeah, I, I can definitely see that as something that would have affected like every other strike after that. Like Volvo was on strike for a while. Uh, they kept dealing with, uh, <laughs> you know, they were sent back to vote on the exact same contract, uh, more than once. And, uh, that tells you like, Hey, what, what is this bargaining? Uh, who's bargaining for me? What are they doing? You know, what, 
what what do we need to do? So I totally understood when they, you know, did not have a ton of faith in uh, the current, the then current administration. Uh, John Deere was a little bit better, uh, I will say. Um, I've met quite a few people that were involved in the John Deere strike, uh, and we helped them out. We were definitely more active. UAWD was more active in helping them. We, we kind of started to understand what we had to do in that moment, I think. Um, looking back at, like, you know, what happened with Volvo. Uh, but, you know, even all the schools, you know, Harvard, Columbia University, I know the, the Library Museum, uh, the Spanish Society in New York, uh, they're on strike as we speak. Um, you know, they, you, you learn so much about, you know, what you care about, what, what matters to you in uh, during a strike. And it's it, it, it definitely it was a motivator for me, for sure. And I think it was a motivator for a lot of people. The strike really lays down like the lines of battle and, and who you're fighting against, but also who is leading the fight for you. So it's, it can be, as you said, you went, you had a, a single day strike and right after you were hired and it, it seemed like you were that it wasn't really a, an effective strategic maneuver that they, the workers weren't prepared to fight that had, had built up the sort of uh, capacity uh, and like a leaderful uh, worker movement in the union uh, to wage that sort of struggle. And then also in, in 2019, you still had a situation where you have this a corrupt leadership, as you point out, is being investigated uh, by the feds. So you have this sort of disconnect where you're fighting against, as you point out, this uh, very um, like broken is maybe the wrong word because it's, it's exactly what the companies are trying to do, but this, this system of, of uh, disruption and uh, creative destruction unleashed uh, by the companies to try and break a uh, worker solidarity, creating two tiers where you have uh, some workers are better paid than others that are on some workers on, on a better track. So you can kind of divide the workplace against itself, a, a classic uh, corporate technique. And so it's not, a, it's not just a way for the company to hoard more of the profits by paying some of the workers less, but it's also a way to uh, make uh, the workers less organized, have them be divided against themselves. So you, you have to, you have to work to challenge that. And you uh, brought up uh, Jane McAlevey as a, uh, has talked about and written great strategies to kind of get to that 90% threshold where you are ready and prepared for a strike. There's a difference between just going on strike uh, because uh, it's the only thing to do and being prepared to win uh, a strike. And I think uh, that, as you said, you were, you were disappointed by what had happened during uh, this 2019 strike that there, there was not enough preparation that it didn't effectively challenge the two-tiered system in the way that you would like to see. And that, so, so that's going to be kind of a struggle moving forward and hopefully the new leadership can play a role in that. So what strategy does the new leadership have to build working class power, power in order to challenge uh, capital? I think the, the major challenge right now and is, and our strategy right now is to engage the workers, uh, to, to challenge the workers to, you know, get them to see the union as, you know, not just, you know, we can look back at the election and, and one thing about the election was that the, the turnout was very low. Like it was about 15% and in the, the second round, uh, the first round it was even lower. Uh, a lot of reasons for that. I don't think there was enough information given out uh, about the election 
uh, as I, I might have mentioned, and what the positions were and what that could mean. And I think, you know, people have grown cynical over the years, uh, you know, if they've been around for a while. Uh, that certainly could have happened to me. Uh, they might just see that nothing can ever change. So, you know, why bother even voting, right? Like, who are these people? Why do I care? What's the matter? And I think a lot of people see the union as a service because yeah, it's been how it's been treated for a few years. So I think that really what needs to happen is we need to challenge the, uh, the, the workers, uh, myself included, uh, and, you know, actually, actually start to show our strength and, and show it a little early. You see, uh, if you, if you follow Teamsters right now, right now they're doing, uh, their contract campaign. They're just, they just rolled it out maybe a couple of, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they're, you know, having parking lot uh, uh, meetings. Uh, and I'm sure they'll be, you know, doing some informational picketing, uh, you know, bringing their their other coworkers, friends, communities into that. And I think that that's a major uh, part of the challenge is, is you know, tapping the, the potential of all of your workers, you know, we have, or all of your members, I should say, you know, you have so many, uh, thousands of members in, you know, each of the big three, tens of thousands, I, I should say, uh, plus, you know, we're all pretty clustered, at least in Michigan, <laughs> like, you know, we're on top of each other more or less. Uh, you know, I, we all know somebody who works for Ford or, uh, Stellantis, uh, if you work for GM or, or vice versa, right? Uh, so getting to actually like not only prepare for a, a, the potential of a strike or, you know, just the negotiations themselves, but like, you know, demonstrating that they're, they're, we're going to be moving as one unit. Like, you know, should we plan it? We, we should plan ahead to, to get, you know, GM workers on the, on the picket line, right? Right. With the Ford workers, hit the picket line, if it's them, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, it could be anybody. I, I have no idea how that's going to go. Um, but we, we, there's, it's, it's a big shift that needs to be turned around. And, uh, that's, I feel like a lot of unions right now, uh, have been dealing with that for uh, decades. Um, and, you know, our, we worked to reform our union because that was, you know, that was an option that was given to us with the, uh, the referendum vote, but also, uh, because it, it's, it was the right thing to do. Uh, it's, it's starting to feel like it's becoming our union where we can refer to it as our union. And, uh, I think that by engaging, uh, other workers, other union members, uh, the communities, uh, and, and actually get people to not, not to worry that like we're, we're losing the, um, the membership like politically, uh, cause you know, there's a large right word. Shift in uh, in uh, manufacturing. Like I'm, I'm from Macomb County, which was like, you know, there was like a million <laughs> articles about Macomb County, Michigan after the you know Trump's election, right? And you know, these people are like my dad, and you know, I have these conversations all the time where it's like, yeah, why do I, why why should I care about anything politically? My uh, my union you know, wants me to care about when uh, you know we get sold up, sold forever, right? Like. Uh, that is, that is a big problem, right? Like we, we can't shy away from, you know, how people have been, have felt like they're not, uh, 
being like listened to. And I know that he ran as a Democrat, but um, Sean Fain, our president and our uh, secretary treasurer, Margaret Mock, met with uh, Bernie Sanders very recently. And uh, that tells me, hey, uh, they're willing to meet with uh, what I would call the uh, some of the mo- one of the most pro labor uh, um, government officials uh, currently. And uh, I, I like I like to see more of that. I um, normally, uh, at least in the last election, we uh, kind of way down the sidelines uh, and uh, you know just endorse the Democrat, right? And um, but before that. Uh, we actually put it to a vote, and at the very least, the, the, the membership was engaged uh, during the uh, 2016 election, uh, during the primaries, I should say. Um, but I mean, these are the sorts of things that, like, we need to do. We need to engage people politically. We need to engage them in the workplace, uh, getting, uh, you know, figuring out what's what's not working in certain locals, and uh, you know, holding accountability there. Um, getting the right people in, uh, you know, UAWD is going to be, is, you know, running workshops of, you know, how to run for election or how to, um, put out a contract campaign. Uh, and that's a big pro- part of it because he, even though we change top leadership, uh, it doesn't really mean anything if, you know, you have local leaders that are kind of dragging their feet on, um, things that are good, such as a contract campaign. Like most of them will be like, I don't even know what that is. Or they might hear it and be like, ah, it's not going to do anything. You know, it's not the time for cynicism. Uh, it's not the time for, you know, worrying that we can't do enough or that, that nothing can be done. Like that is the time to fight. Like people are watching. People are feeling inspired in my opinion. Like I've, I've heard that before. Like I've heard that from, uh, I was listening to a podcast, uh, uh, working people, they're interviewing uh, some of the Gijon, the, the French um, protesters, uh, a little over uh, right after our, our the strike in 2019, and uh, they were saying that they were feeling emboldened by our strike, and I'm like, wow, that's incredible. <laughs> you know, that, that, and and that is, I think, how you you motivate the working class. That's how you you unite them. You you fight and yeah you might not win every battle but people like to see that you're actually trying and fighting and hey you will actually win you will win more than you won't and that's totally worth it strikes strikes do work you have to you have to build this capacity to fight, you have to make people believe in solidarity. And this can happen by seeing other uh, workers go out and strike and win the sort of contagiousness of strikes and the, the capacity to see other people who are in the similar economic position also make material gains. But it, it takes it takes a lot of effort. It's, people don't just automatically believe in solidarity, don't automatically believe in taking collective action. They have to believe in the, with the people next to them. They have to be wanting to fight alongside them. And that's why it often takes these sort of structure tests where you build up uh, to an action that you're willing to confront uh, the employer, uh, whether that's in uh, the private sector uh, uh, for you, for the UAW, or it's in the, the public sector, as we saw with uh, so often with the Chicago Teachers Union or United Teachers Los Angeles or uh, all these other teachers unions across the country that have been willing to fight back uh, against 
austerity, by organizing for the common good, be, building relationships with parents, uh, with students, with the broader community, and going out uh, on protests that sort of build up to the action. And we're kind of facing the conundrum in my union right now, the PSC, the union of CUNY workers, where we're in a contract fight, and the Taylor Law bans us from going out on strike. Uh, but uh, we might have to take that action anyway. But we need to build up uh, to demonstrate that we have the the strength and the capacity to actually win that fight, that the workers are willing to take on the struggle, that people won't be crossing the picket lines, that we'll have people showing up and demonstrating working class power. So I think this is a question, as you said, that is being raised across the labor movement. And I think the, the rank-and-file victory in this recent election, this new leadership in the UAW is a huge step forward, and that's going to take – how do we go beyond that? We saw how rank-and-file victories – uh, in the uh, CTU, in the in UTLA, in other teachers' unions, we've seen now with the Teamsters, as you mentioned, uh, their victory, their transformation of the leadership uh, that has uh, spurred a more uh, militant approach and kind of building up with these structure tests to potential strike uh, this summer. And see, we'll see what happens with UAW as they kind of try to build off these other successes. Uh, but first, I just want to remind our listeners that you are tuning in to Revolutions Per Minute on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York City, broadcasting at 99.5 FM and streaming on your favorite podcast app. Today, we're talking about the recent change in leadership in the UAW and its implications for the labor movement. And uh, But uh, first, we want to uh, dive in why it's so important to contribute uh, to this station. So you can hear uh, content like this, we're talking with Chris, a union organizer who's involved in the UAW, who's involved in transforming his union and making his union a more powerful force uh, for the workers in the UAW, a more powerful force for the working class that hopefully can help kind of shift the balance of forces in this country and empower uh, working class to challenge uh, the corporations and the extremely wealthy who are getting rich off the back of workers. And WBAI highlights this sort of uh, content consistently. And so in order to donate to the station, please call 212-209-2950. Again, that number is 212-209-2950. Or you can go to WBAI.org. You can go, when you go to WBAI.org, you can make a one-time donation, become, uh, if you give enough, you can become a voting member of the station, or you can become a BAI buddy. You can be a consistent donor. Say you love revolutions per minute. You like hearing about this kind of these organizing stories that we track. We heard uh, from Chris about a year and a half ago about the one member, one vote referendum. So we heard about that struggle to make the UAW more democratic, the fight to organize workers in the workplace to vote for union democracy. And now we're seeing the results of that uh, with the new leadership that has been elected in the UAW and see how they can change their union. So you can become a member of uh, WBI if you want to support this sort of content that we're hearing today, that we're hearing from uh, DSA members. We just are found out uh, last night that the Build Public Renewables Act is being included in the bu- budget. So we're going to be experiencing uh, publicly owned uh, a green energy here in New York State. We've been covering this consistently. We've been heard, hearing from the perspective of organizers, people who are working up in Albany to push forward this dramatic uh, transformation of the energy system, this uh, movement towards renewable energy as we uh, attempt to fight climate change. So we see the sort of the connection between uh, the labor movement and the environmental movement here on Revolutions Per Minute. And that's what we're doing on WBAI. So again, you can please call 212-209-2950. 
That number is 212-209-2950, or you can go to WBAI.org. Thank you very much. And so we're uh, about to hear from Sing in Solidarity, the chorus of uh, New York City DSA, who you heard at the start of our show. We'll be performing a melody of a medley of socialist uh, cabaret songs on Sunday night. The concert, which kicks off with a performance by intergalactic drag artist Clay Woman, will be held at the Drome, located at 85 Avenue A in East Village. Doors open at 6. The, start, the show starts at 7. Tickets are available at uh, drumnyc.com. Here's the choir's rendition of Dump the Bosses Off Your Back. So let's roll that clip. So that was Sing in Solidarity, and now we're back with Chris to discuss uh, more about the change in leadership in the UAW. So, Chris, what divisions remain in the UAW, and what unites the workers? Yeah, uh, this is definitely an abrupt change, I think, for like literally the entire union, uh, including us. Uh, so, I, including UAWD. Uh, so, I, I know that. Right after uh, uh, Sean Fain was uh, sworn in as president, uh, we had our, our bargaining convention, or yeah, our special bargaining convention. Uh, and um, uh, during that, the uh, the vice president, uh, one of the three vice presidents, um, he had mentioned uh, Chuck Browning. He had mentioned that uh, he addressed the elephant in the room, as he said, and, and made a very uh, a speech about the importance of unity. You know, he said, you know, I'm. I, I did not support John for president, uh, supported Ray Curry, the, the, um, the former president. Um, but the only agenda is the, the, the membership's agenda, the union's agenda. And, um, and that is something that we're going to have to, you know, deal with. Uh, this is not going to be, uh, I don't think that this is going to be the exact, it's not going to be the same union. Uh, but I think that, uh, a lot of people are not going to, um, expect uh, to be uh, challenged and, and uh, engaged in, in quite the way that uh, Sean and, and the rest of our uh, elected slate uh, who got in uh, wishes. So there are going to be a lot of people <laughs> dragging their feet on that. A lot of local leadership. Um, I don't I don't know how you know different regions might might work out, but 
uh, I think that's really the, the major division is, you know, people who were um, more or less like put in, they got a name, put their name put in and, uh, you know, they got their chance to, uh, you know, run for uh, president. Nobody ran against them, that sort of thing, or, uh, or uh, region, regional director or anything like that. Um, because, you know, now it's, there's, there's, there's a lot more to, be one there there's we, we can actually see that uh you know those those positions can be lost um i think now you know the heat is on and, and all eyes are on us and uh we actually have to you know follow through what, what chuck browning and and sean posed the uh the the bargaining convention out with which was you know we have to unite and uh what unites us is you know our work like we 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 will go to work. We don't have any, you know, passive income uh, to speak of. It's just, you know, go to work and, and you earn your living and, you know, prices are going up. Uh, I live in, you know, the Detroit area. It's very commuting heavy, gas prices, that sort of thing. Uh, price of vehicles is going up. Um, the, everything. And and these are issues that are going to, you know, take place at the bargaining table. And I think one way that we majorly unite uh, membership is by winning there, and if not, we win on the shop floor and and the uh, on the picket line, and uh, and those things will all work together. And I I I think that when we when the workers who are on the fence see that uh, those divisions will start to erode, and and I, I I believe that they'll want to be engaged like this again and again and again and we just you know our, our price is eternal vigilance as they say like we always have to keep that we cannot get lazy we cannot let it get to this point again and um, and I think if if we you know continue walking the walk like that um, the workers will uh, you know those divisions will go away yeah, people, especially those who may have benefited in some way or another from the old order, may be hesitant to change. But what can bring everyone together is the struggle against the bosses, against the capitalists, the conditions that you experience every day, both in the workplace and outside of it. As you correctly mentioned, prices are going up. Uh, healthcare and housing have been going up for a very long time, but now people are facing this with groceries, with other uh, consumer goods, where it's a challenge to, to pay for the, the needs that you have uh, in your life. And so the so if the, the new leadership, UAWD, uh, can uh, deliver by uh you know, winning material gains for all the workers, empowering them, all the workers more uh, in the workplace and like, and just kind of bringing like uniting everyone on this, uh, this notion of uh, demonstrating your, uh, your power that uh, you're, you're not a victim in the situation that you're capable of striking back literally by withholding your labor and that you can, you can win that way. You can either, you can win at the bargaining table with that threat or you can win by actually doing it. But so how can a reformed UAW build solidarity with other workers like the Teamsters as they prepare for their contract fight with UPS? Yeah, uh, we just, uh, we're, we're starting to see the hints of that already. Uh, like I said, uh, uh, Margaret Mack, our secretary treasurer and uh, president, Sean Fang, they both met up with um, Bernie Sanders, but also in like the span of a day or two, 
with the president and secretary of Tre- uh, secretary treasurer of uh, the Teamsters, uh, Sean O'Brien and Fred Zuckerman. So uh, that that was awesome to me. <laughs> the tweet from uh, the Teamsters was uh, the meeting of the militant minds, something to that to that uh, uh, to that effect. And uh, I love that. I I, I want to see that. For every union, I know we have the AFL-CIO, um, but the the idea of them getting a room, talking strategy, talking how they can work with each other, uh, which is, I imagine, what was on the agenda, you know, talking about, you know, this this upcoming hot labor summer and perhaps strike over once again, uh, yeah, that, that's that's exciting to me, and I think that that's that's exactly what we need to see with, you know, these large... Uh, unions with you know very large um, you know bargaining units such as uh, the Teamsters with UPS and the um, UAW with Big Three and, and a lot of these um, larger uh, like student worker uh, locals or uh, regions. Uh, yeah, that's 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 a, it, and and it should go all the way down. You know, not just not just the big ones. We always got to look out for the little ones. Um, but really connecting the the unions with each other in by by straight up just meeting and talking and and, and having each other's back like that's what's important like if someone knows that you can back them up or will back them up uh, they're more willing to go to bat and, and vice versa and you learn that in organizing you know you learn that on the shop floor just you know dealing with you know, a crappy boss or, or some dumb that's happening. You know, if, if someone speaks up, it's easier for the next person to speak out. Or if someone goes on strike, it's probably easier for the next uh, the next uh, group of workers to go on strike because they can say, "Hey, you know, the teamsters went out and they won. Uh, everyone was happy. Everyone was happy with those results, um, or a majority, I should say." Uh, what else can be had? You know, is the, the the media does not paint them terribly or anything like that. Uh, I think that these are the necessary preparations. Just just really just being in sync with the the uh, the other uh, unions as we uh, engage in our own uh, contract fights. Exactly. If if we're going to collectively challenge the power of capital in this country. And I mean, more broadly across the world, it's going to take workers working together, not just viewing their union as solely as a vehicle for themselves, but seeing it in a unison with other workers, other organized workers. So it's a beautiful site that uh, UAW leadership and team leadership are already working together. The, uh, as we see it today on the picket lines as the WGA, the, the writers, in uh, Hollywood have gone out on strike and we see the other unions in the entertainment industry are standing in solidarity uh, with them. So this is something that we hope to continue to see. We saw in Los Angeles recently while school, uh, school staff support uh, went out on strike and the teachers stood in solidarity with them. So this sort of uh, uh, collective action and solidarity between workers uh, will be uh, incredibly important uh, in the struggles to come. I've got another question I want to ask you, but I just want to let our listener know, uh, listeners know that we have around 15 minutes left in the show. So at that time, it's this time that we'd love you to call in and talk to us. Uh, please give us a call at 212-209-2877. Again, that number is 
1-800-227-8877. So while we're waiting for a call, I just want to bring up, and I mentioned this a little bit in the intro, but the UAW is foundational in shifting the balance of power between labor and capital through organized class struggle during the 1930s. Do you think the UAW can play that role again? I do think so. Uh, it might not seem like that or feel like that uh, the way that, you know, our numbers have dwindled over the years, but there are so many more auto workers to organize. There's so much power to build, um, you know, auto, uh, I'm talking like Toyota, Volkswagen, Kia, Honda, Hyundai, um, all of them, like we, we have not organized there. We have not organized in Tesla, uh, and spreading out over the country. I think, you know, since, since so much of the, uh, uh a lot of the, production work, manufacturing has moved south and in other spaces all over the world. Um, you know, winning unions in those spaces, in, in those states, uh, and people seeing that, I think, I think we, we, we could, we could have like a real, a, a real union movement again with unionization in like, you know, so-called right to work states, right? Like, especially, you know, considering we just exited our own uh, statehood uh, of right to work uh, with the uh, the Democrats uh, helping overturn that, which is great, and uh, I love to see it, and I can't wait to see it in other states, and I can't wait for us to, you know, actually uh, build unionization in other states and 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 get people behind that, so that we those states aren't even like thought of, you know, as anti-union states anymore like there's no anti-union state there's anti-union legislature there's anti-union bosses there's it's all of them you know all the, all the companies are anti-union even if they got unions right like uh but yeah just showing up there organizing winning and then you know watching the t- and, and getting the tide to turn and then making sure it never turns back uh i, I do think the uaw can be a major part of that again and uh, it will take uh, everything I mentioned, especially working with um, other unions, communities, and, and engaging the workers, um, the membership. Uh, that's, that's how we do it. Those are some really great points. The notion that we need to challenge uh, this idea that there's anti-work, anti-union states. It's just the fact there's states where there's low unionization. The, the workers there, if with the right organizing strategy, with the right, re, the good amount, right amount of resources devoted to the struggle can be brought into a union. There were, there are places, uh, unionization has also been on the decline everywhere. So we need to fight everywhere to, to increase the rate of unionization, build off the base that we already have. And I think UAW can play this really important role because not only is UAW auto workers and car companies are still really central to the economy. And there's, as you mentioned, there's not just the big three, but there's all these other uh, companies from all across the world. There's, there's Tesla with these electric vehicles organizing these shops, but the UAW also has all these other workers, these academic workers at, at universities across the country and universities play an increasingly important role in the economy in a way that, and are also a way that inequality is reinforced, the way that universities are organized so that they, uh, big private universities like Columbia are acting as 
uh, real estate developers and, and hoarding resources. So UAW with the union can kind of fight back against that happening at uh, universities as well, trying to redistribute wealth to to the workers at universities, to uh, workers at car companies, to workers in aerospace, and building these relationships with other unions all across the country. It looks like we've got a caller on the line. Uh, you are live on Revolutions Per Minute. What's your name and what's your question, uh, comment and or question? Um, my name is uh, Menelik. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. How are you doing? Uh, I'm from New, uh, Lower Manhattan. Uh, this may not be, uh, I just wanted to know, you know, recently uh, 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 the head of the African Socialist Party has been um, coerced by the United States government uh, saying that he was in collusion with the Russian government for some some kind of miscellaneous activity. And uh, I was wondering what your position on, on that particular uh, situation are you uh, thank you for the, thank you for the call and and uh, I I've, I have heard about that it it seems like uh, it's an oppressive use of state power and it's a suppression of uh, free speech and a way to attack someone who is a committed organizer I I from what I know about his position on uh, I, I don't know enough about his position on uh, Russia and what he has to say about it to whether I agree about it. I'm uh, fully opposed to Russia's imperialist war in Ukraine, but the fact that someone is being uh, suppressed uh, by, I believe the FBI uh, for uh, voicing their opinion is a violation of the first amendment and a threat to democracy. So that uh, shouldn't be happening, but thank you very much uh, for the call. Uh, we have to uh, wrap up here, but do you have any final words for our listeners? Just uh, a minute or something. Uh, yeah, uh, if you are a UAW member and you're listening and you're not a member of UAWD, you're not a workers for democracy, our website is UAWD.org. Please join us uh, if you would like to support in any way. I'm sure there's ways that you can support on there, too. I don't know off the top of my head. If you are in, uh, I guess, Washington Heights, New York Hispanic Society is on strike right now as of today. I just checked. So go join them on the picket line. Go talk to them. Uh, I don't know how... Like what hours are out there? Maybe if they're out there 24 hours, go late. Like it's, it's, I, I would see people early in the day, uh, but I don't know about nighttime. So go, go late, go see what they need, you know, firewood, that sort of thing. Uh, it gets cold out there for sure. Uh, join TDU if you're a teamster, teamsters for Democratic Union, uh, core for teaching, railroad, rail, railroad workers united. These are all reform movements. If you need help with the reform movement, you know, talk to any of us. I think that any of us can help. Uh, and uh, go to Labor Notes and check out uh, How to st- uh, Jumpstart Your Union, Secrets of a Successful Organizer, a uh, dozen other books like that, uh, Running for Your Local Election uh, Office. And, uh, yeah, um, uh, thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, if you uh, do, are not in a union, please join the UAW. We're great. Well, that's a great way to end the show. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. And I just uh, want to remind our listeners that you've been tuning in to Revolutioners Per Minute on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York City, broadcasting at 99.5 FM and streaming on your favorite podcast app. Contact us. Uh, connect with us after the show. You can email us at revolutionsnyc at gmail.com. You can find us on our website, revolutionspermanent.symbolcast.com or Twitter at NYCRPM. We'll see you out on the picket lines. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight.